Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Hello, South Valley family. Grace to you and peace from our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a promise that is found in the book of Psalm, chapter 29 and verse 11, that unless I miss my guess, many of you need to claim for your life. Listen to what Psalm 29, 11 says. Here is, here is a wonderful promise. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Now, I know that there are some of you listening to me that go, yes, I would like to have strength. I would like to have that kind of peace. It's a wonderful promise, isn't it? But let me show you a not-so-wonderful promise. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1, 2, and 3, we have another promise. And it's not so good. Look at what it says. But know this that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, and despisers of good. Now that's not a good promise, is it? But it is a promise. It's a prophecy. But it's a promise nonetheless. The promise is, is that things, circumstances, situations in our world are only destined to get worse. And henceforth, we need to hold on to the promise that we just read in Psalm 29 verse 11 that the Lord will give strength to his people and he will bless his people with peace. I mean, folks, all you have to do is turn on any newscast and you will see that we are living in the midst of a world like the one that Paul described in 2 Timothy chapter 3. In this information glutted age, there is absolutely no shortage of verbiage that will incite fear, that will incite outrage, that will incite panic, worry. And those who are constantly drinking down the latest sludge that oozes out of the media cesspool are going to find themselves fretful, worrisome, angry, and all of those things. Because let's face it, most of what is reported on the news today is just bad news. And if that news was all we had to gauge our world by, well, we would stay in a constant state of depression and anxiety and worry. Things are going wrong. People are fighting all over the world in every land. There's turmoil. There's war. There's conflict. There's international confrontation. And right here in our very own beloved America, there's internal strife, isn't there? Our age is characterized by the absence of peace and the presence of turmoil. Why? Why does humanity live amidst such turmoil? Well, the brief answer is this, is that individuals themselves are in turmoil. 
this observable outward conflict I believe is merely an evidence of an inward turmoil that men and women have in this world. The war, the struggle, the strife, the confrontation going on in our world is simply a depiction of the inner turmoil going on within the souls of men and women. To put it simply, a lack of peace in nations reflects a lack of peace in people. People today are living through this pandemic and through all of the things that have been associated with it. They are living with such despondency and worry and fear. I, I was talking to a friend who attends South Valley. A prayer request came uh, through the office and you may have even seen it if you get those. But one of our very own members of South Valley was sitting at a railroad crossing in Hanford just several weeks ago. And as he sat there waiting for the train to pass, he witnessed a man walk out in the middle of the tracks, raise up his hands and face the oncoming train. And he literally saw that man's life knocked from him as it, that train hit him and drove him across four lanes of highway. And I thought, what kind of turmoil must be going on in a person's life that would cause them to want to end their life so violently? As I spoke with this friend who related this story to and I asked him for permission to share it in this message, he began to tell me that he said that is not the first time I've seen that happen. And he said several years ago he was sitting again at a railroad crossing and a guy on a bicycle pulled up and about the time the train arrived, he lunged his head out in front of that train and, of course, killed him instantly. <laughs> I can't imagine what goes on in the heart of a person. But they're, they're in turmoil, no doubt. My friend jokingly told me, he said, Pastor Frank, you probably don't want to sit in front of a railroad crossing with me. And I admit that I wanted to say, yeah, you have a very bad track record, uh, but I would never say something like that. So I didn't say that. Because, you, know, uh, you know me, I would never say something like that. But as I thought about that, I thought, my goodness, that's just evidence of something going on in the human heart that, that's living in such despondency and no hope and in such turmoil. When we look at our world, and our world wants peace, we've had peace movements, they're nothing new. There's always been those who cry out, peace. And the problem, I think, simply is that the world's view of peace is sort of a perverted kind of peace. Uh, it's, it's not the kind of peace we're promised. The, the demonstrations, the protests for peace, and uh, they, they continue on on this. And any, any person who has respect for life should want peace. Absolutely. Yet we don't have peace. Why? Well, perhaps the nature lies in the kind of peace they're pursuing. I mean, it's apparent that there are many in this world frantically involved in, in a quest for peace. But is the peace that's being sought true peace? And I think you know that it's not. Jesus gives us an interesting insight into true peace in 
the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 27, where he writes this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now in that verse, Jesus clearly distinguishes the kind of peace he is giving is different than the kind of peace that the world offers. He is saying that some people pass off for peace what is not really peace at all. And there is some biblical precedence for that statement. You could go back to, for instance, in Ezekiel's in the Old Testament, chapter 13, verse 10, where God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel says that some have misled my people by saying, peace, when there is no peace. Now, when we speak of peace, we must be careful to understand what true peace really is. If we do not understand the true definition of peace, we might be misled into believing there's a peace when there is none. One of the definitions that the world uses for peace is that peace is merely the absence of conflict. Many people who fight so stridently for peace view peace merely as a cessation of hostility. As one man writes, peace is that brief, glorious moment in history when everybody stands around reloading." End quote. Now, folks, it would certainly be good for those nations who are fighting with one another to lay down their arms and to try to work things out and, and, and you know, deal with their problems in another way. We should all be for that. But as Christians, we must be concerned with more than that. That's not enough. That has never worked. We've, every peace treaty that's ever been signed has eventually been broken. Peace treaties don't work. They delay, but they don't solve. When the outward conflict dies down and the inner conflict begins then to come to the surface, the real need for humankind is more than the absence of conflict in this world. What, what the, the world really needs is the kind of peace Jesus and him alone can give. It's an inner peace. And unfortunately, until people can find that, that inner peace, it seems we're going to have to continue to experience hostility and conflict and riots and so forth. There's a desperate need in our world for inner peace. What the world offers is a perversion of peace. Only God is the provider of peace. He's the one who gives us peace. He alone is the true source of peace, isn't he? I believe that true peace can only come from God. <clears throat> Isaiah 26, verse 3, look at this wonderful passage. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You see, the real key to peace is trusting God because he is the source of peace isn't he and as we trust him we experience what might be called peace from God 
our trust places us in a position where the basis for peace is shifted from ourselves and from our circumstances to the faithfulness of the God of this universe. Listen, our circumstances change, but if our peace depends on our circumstances, then we will not have peace. If you're waiting for things to get better in our culture, in our society, in our world, and so that you can have peace, you're waiting in vain. I remind you, Paul said in the latter days, it's just going to get worse. But that doesn't mean that the believer in Jesus Christ can't have his peace. But if our peace depends on our circumstances, we're not going to have it. But if, it, if our peace depends on the unchangeable God, then things can be breaking loose all around us with conflict on every side, and we will not feel the effect of the conflict, but will experience an inner peace that only God can provide. This is not the worldly kind of peace, is it? As defined by the, the cessation or the absence of conflict, this is the kind of inner peace in the midst of the conflict. And we can have that because we trust in our God. It is a peace which comes from Him. In Psalm chapter 4 verse 8, it was written by David, who was a man who knew what it was to experience conflict. Before he was even king, he was hounded by King Saul and pursued all over the country. Saul wanted to take his life out of jealousy. But Jesus, excuse me, uh, David had enemies all around him most of his life. For most of his life he experienced conflict and hostility towards himself. And yet he writes this in Psalm chapter 4, verse 8. He says, I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. And then again, David was the one who wrote, The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. You see, David understood that it is the Lord who gives strength. He recognized his inability and God's all-sufficiency. You see, David knew something that the people all around him didn't know. He knew that God was able to take care of him. He knew he could trust God no matter what. And you say, well, where did he learn that kind of a life? Well, I think he learned it by the conflicts that he went through. Because we're all going to go through them. It just depends on how we go through them, right? I mean, maybe he started learning this when he had conflict with a bear. He told uh, King Saul at one point that he, he had killed a bear and, with his own hands. He had a conflict with a lion while he was protecting the flock that he was to guard. Uh, perhaps he learned it when he had that conflict with the Philistine giant, Goliath. He no doubt learned that God is trustworthy and he could have peace and that God alone provided his safety. As Saul pursued him through the wilderness, all of those experiences collectively, no doubt, helped solidify in David's heart and in his mind that he could trust God he could have he could lay down in peace because God was his strength
Somewhere he had learned that the Lord was his peace and David experienced the peace which comes from God. Now you want that. But some of you listening to me right now may have another issue you have to deal with because you see there is a prerequisite to having that kind of peace. First, you must have peace with God before you can ever have peace from God. See, Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the source of peace is God Himself. The result of that peace is that the war is now over with God. Before I became a Christian, I would have always told you, yeah, I believe in God. I never doubted that He didn't exist. I had no idea who He was, what He wanted. As a matter of fact, I would have said, yeah, me and, me and God are okay. I'm, I'm okay with God. But I began to realize, right before I got saved, God's not all right with me. There's an issue. And it was that I was not trusting His Son and His death on the cross as payment for my sin. And as long as that is there, the Bible says we are at enmity with God. There's a war going on between you and God if you don't have Jesus Christ. Before we began to trust God, our inner conflict caused us to be in conflict with God Himself. There was an alienation a separation between us and God. But when we surrendered to Christ, the hostility ceased. Now we can have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And maybe that's where some of you are right now. You don't have peace in this world and you, you fret and you worry and you're anxious over where the world's going. Wouldn't you like to have the peace that God provides? You cannot have that if you don't have a trusting relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to have peace with God before we ever know the peace from God. But there is more. Not only do we have peace from God and peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, but there is also a peace that's described this way. It's the peace of God peace of God. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7 Paul writes, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. It is peace from God, peace with God, and the peace of God that we all need. There's something special about the peace of God. And according to this passage, it is a peace that we can't even comprehend with our, our human minds. We, we, you, know, you, you simply do not understand why you have peace when all hell seems to be breaking loose around you. It, it, it's, it, it's a peace which even surprises you because it's there and yet it should not be there. David said, in the midst of all the things I was going through, you both lay me down in peace, for you alone provide my safety. David understood that. When you're going through those times where you're tempted to be anxious and fretful and worrisome, remember 
whose you are. Remember who you belong to. Folks, you need to understand, you need to understand the nature of your relationship with Jesus Christ. And he will give that kind of peace which passes understanding, passes comprehension. It's a supernatural peace that can't be explained. Here's what Paul said about the peace of God in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. He said, and let the peace of God rule in your heart. You see, with the peace of God ruling in your hearts, we can then face whatever problems may come. And they will come, right? I mean, Jesus, here again, it's another promise. <laughs> we have a lot of promises. Some we love, some we would rather not have. But here's a wonderful promise. John 16, verse 33, Jesus tells his disciples these things that I've spoken to you, that in me you, you may have peace. That's a wonderful promise. But here's the flip side of that promise. In this world, you will have tribulation. That is also a promise. But then he gives the word of encouragement. But he says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now I have no doubt that those of you listening to me right now want that kind of peace in the midst of what we're going through. It's eluded some of you. Well, let me tell you about the process of peace. If God is the provider of peace, if the world has a perverted view of peace, well, let me tell you about the process of peace. If peace is a possibility for us, then what is the process of peace? From what we have already seen in Scripture, we can discern the process of peace. Peace is simply a byproduct of our relationship with Christ, the Prince of Peace. It is an outflowing of that relationship. In Galatians chapter 5, peace is listed among the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, it is the fruit of our relationship with Christ by the Spirit of God. And it comes to us through several important ways. The first and most important way it comes to us is by trusting God. As we've already seen in Isaiah 26.3, he said this, You will keep him in perfect peace, those whose mind is stayed focused on you, because he trusts in you. One of the results of keeping your mind steadfastly focused on Christ and developing a living relationship with him is that you come by experience to trust him. But unless I miss my guess, some of you right now, your mind isn't stayed on him. Your mind is stayed on what the news is telling you 24 hours a day. You have saturated your mind with everything the world is, is giving you. And if that is the focus, that's what your mind is stayed on then it's no wonder you don't have any peace. Look, we can't make what's going on go away. And even if we could, the turmoil is in man's heart because of the relationship 
he has with God or the relationship he doesn't have with God. But one of the results of keeping our minds steadfastly focused on Christ is that we experience him in a wonderful way and the more we experience him the greater our trust becomes in him you see the basis of our peace is not merely that we are are, are thinking about the Lord it is that we are trusting in the Lord the reason we keep our minds steadfastly focused on him is because we know that he has all things under control he really does we know that if we will just focus on him listen he will settle us down he will quell the anxious spirit within us he will give us his peace but you have to trust him you have to trust him and implied in our trusting him is an aspect of communion with God if we are in communion with God we will be praying to him we will be listening to him we'll be seeking to discern his will and out of this communion will come his peace folks both prayer and praise are aspects of this communion this relationship with God and listen both of those are actually linked to God's peace again Philippians chapter 4 we read verse 7 earlier but let me just go back a few verses and start at verse 4 look what it says rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice are you doing that right now are you rejoicing in the Lord even in the midst of the pandemic verse 5 let your gentleness be known to all men the Lord is near the Lord is at hand here it is. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. Verse 7, here it is again. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Do you see the linkage there? The linkage between the peace of God which guards our hearts and our minds and prayer and thanksgiving which precedes it can you give God thanks in everything I said in everything not for everything there are things happening in our world we're not thankful for but can I still give thanks to God in that can I rejoice always regardless of the circumstances that surround me can I still find myself in prayer and in meditation and go God you alone are God you rule the universe you're in control of every aspect of my life why then should I be fretful I just want to give you praise and offer you thanksgiving and folks when you can live like that you're gonna find the peace of God which passes understanding it won't make sense how can I lay down and go to sleep at night when the world is in such turmoil? It's because you're trusting in God and this communion with God expresses itself in praise and in prayer. The bottom line is this, folks. If we're really going to have peace with God, 
we must have a relationship with Him. And prayer and praise tap us into that relationship. What a blessing it would be to be free from all anxiety. Wouldn't that be great? And this is precisely the blessing that God promises in these verses. You see, anxiety is simply another word for fear. Peace frees us from anxiety, from fear, when it's a peace that comes from God. When we are living in a trusting relationship with God, knowing that He can and will take care of our needs, then we can experience a freedom from anxiety even while we are in the midst of adversity. That is true peace. Remember, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace. Not as the world gives. In other words, I'm not leaving you the kind of peace the world gives. Therefore, don't let your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Can you claim that promise today? What some in this world claim as peace is not true peace. It is merely the absence of outward conflict. But what this view of peace fails to recognize is that until the inner conflict is dealt with, there will be no real peace. Now let me ask you a question. Have you dealt with the things in your life that are keeping you from experiencing this true inner peace from God? Are there things that you are refusing to release to God that you are keep that are keeping you from trusting him with your entire life? If there are things that are keeping you from him, you need to deal with them without delay. To avoid these issues is to live without the kind of peace that Jesus wants to provide for you. I love what one man writes, and I'll bring this to a close with this quote. Peace is that calm of mind that is not ruffled by adversity, overclouded by a remorseful conscience, or disturbed by fear. End quote. Remember, the Lord will give strength to His people. The Lord will bless His people with peace. Let's pray. Father, I know some that are listening to this message have hearts that are filled with anxiety and worry. They're fretting over things they can't change. And I pray that today this message has encouraged them to let go of those things they can't control anyway and then hold on to you, trusting you, worshiping you, giving thanks to you, rejoicing in you in all things. And may they find the peace of God which surpasses their understanding. And may God you give them the peace that only you can provide. And if there are some listening to this message who have never trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord, they've never bowed the name, repented of their sin, and trusted His death on the cross, then I pray that today would be the day of their salvation, that they would bow before you and invite you to be their Lord. Thank you for this message of encouragement. Use it for your kingdom's sake and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 
May the Lord bless you with peace. Take care.